0: Hello everyone and welcome to A Bit Spursy. I'm Barney. I'm Dan. And today we have a very special guest with us here and his name is Rob.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Rob is a Manchester United fan and uh, like all our guests, uh, we were hoping that that team would lose on the weekend. But like all (laughs) all our guests, that team did not lose. It won. (laughs) So
2: yeah. Yeah. we are 0-2 so far. We had a Chelsea uh, guest after we hope they went out of Champions League. They went through. We yeah. went out of Europa, uh, which was fun. Mm. And then now we thought maybe we'll beat Man U. That'd be fun to have uh, our Man U friend on. <laughs> and that has backfired as well.
0: Yep. Yep. The lesson is never try. Uh, never try. We're uh, still
2: going to have guests though. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> this I'm is the, the end the of guests.
0: One. Yeah. No. Well, who knows? see <laughs> so <here> how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um, So obviously we're here to talk about the the Man U game. Um, But before we do, first thing we want to talk about is unfortunately um, Son received uh, racial abuse on, I think it was his Instagram. Is that right, Dan? Uh,
2: On his Instagram. And also there was a lot of stuff uh, directed towards him on Twitter, but he doesn't have a Twitter.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. And yet again, it's like another occurrence of uh, racism, which uh, is perpetuated by social media. I don't... Know how much of it is an actual cause of it because it's just somewhere where people can direct their uh, racial prejudice. Um, but yeah, it's just again super disappointing.
2: Yeah, and I, I think um, yeah, it's it's something that obviously that you know all these sort of racial uh, racial slurs would have been carried out in the past in the privacy of people's homes. Not to say that makes them okay, no, but um, by any stretch at all. But it seems like more and more now people are taking to Twitter. To, to sort of, you know, abuse players after games. Um, I think as well, though, there's, there's a very important distinction to make as well, but that there is, you know, just abusing players, which is not good, but mm. then there's also racist abuse yep. as well yep. and not to sort of confuse the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, both are really bad. Um, but because I guess why I say that is like there's a lot of people online who go, oh, well, he deserves to be like abused because he like dived or he went down easily or to do it. And it's just even if you had that belief, yeah that you think you can like abuse someone for doing something like that, um, bringing any of that sort of racism into it is just completely unacceptable and any abuse, whatever, is completely unacceptable.
0: Yeah, totally. And hopefully we'll see in the future social media companies. I feel like this is like the biggest groundhog day because we were saying this about Sanchez two weeks ago, but there is some kind of culpability for people who carry out that kind of uh, conduct online. Um, But yeah, until then, don't do it. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was saying before to you, Dan, like, I wasn't sure if this was. Like, it feels like it's been in the news a lot recently because it's been happening a lot. But is it because it's increasing or is it just that it's being reported no, more? And I mean, either way, it's terrible, but it's. Um, yeah. Just. It feels like Groundhog Day, doesn't it? it just keeps happening. Mm.
2: Yeah. I feel maybe now as well, people are standing up for it less. So when it is actually happening, yeah. it's not just being brushed aside as maybe in the past it might have been like, oh, just ignore that, ignore those comments, ignore this, ignore that. And people are starting to actually push back on it a lot more. Yeah. Um, and I think when, now that you have certain clubs, which have gone on like, you know, social media blackouts for a week or so, um, I think, uh, I think Terry Henry has gone off, he's gone off all of his socials until they start doing something about it. Mm. Um, so I think now it's just becoming a lot more in the sort of prominent in the public eye. Um the other thing too is that it's, it's kind of interesting in the sense that this has happened um, coming from a lot of Man U fans and this is not trying to put all Man U fans in that, in that box but Man U fans in terms of the number of their supporters yeah. is so great and so much more than a lot of other, these other clubs. Yeah. So when this comes out against someone like Son, there's just so many more things that are… Um...
1: It's amplified a lot more, isn't it? It's just...
0: Yeah, because instead
2: of 100 people,
0: you have 10,000 people. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the there's a lot of people on, like to use quotation marks, the mainstream media who sort of point the blame at uh, social media as being this sort of um, generator of uh, racist abuse. But I think uh, although, you know, those are the examples recently, there are probably a lot of people on... Um, mainstream media, <laughs> Sky Sports, that um, need, need to also have a look at themselves as well because, mm-hmm. like, um, it's not just social media. Um, it's a wider issue.
2: Oh, d- definitely. Um, the, the, and the other thing I, th- I think that happens in these sort of scenarios as well is um, not to, I guess, like, you know, divert the issue and, and uh, like, this is more talking about abuse in general. Um, it seems like uh, at the end of the game I was a bit, like, unhappy with Ole's comments. Uh, Because I think it's, well, him coming out and reacting the way that he did after a game that he'd won Mm. also kind of added some fuel to that fire. Mm. Um, So, again, this is not to blame racist comments from him. I just want to make that very, very clear. I'm not saying that. But when you do have, like, you know, the manager of team and also, you know, you've got, like, pundits like Roy Keane going on about this incident so much, I think that also really kind of, you know, it almost makes fans think that they're in their right mind to go and abuse a player. Mm. Um, And to make a, make a point about this. Uh, So overall, I I think with that, it seems like, um, you know, it's more of a, a wider sort of responsibility for everyone to be, you know, feel more responsible for players' mental health and their mental states. Um, And these are not robots that just go out and sort of run around under command. Like they are humans and it's, it's a, you know, it's a more serious issue than, than that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the other thing is with, um, with the way that the news cycle works now, it's not like some paper writes a bad story about you and then you don't buy that paper that day or you don't read it. It's like, it's like there is a, a machine where multiple headlines are constantly being printed and then they're being sent directly to you. Um, yeah, so I think it is a wider responsibility. I think you're right. Um, yeah, so, okay, okay, look, this
2: is, uh, you know, Man U Spurs, it's always, you know, I guess a big game. Uh, to look forward to. It feels that way with any of the sort of, I guess, other top six type teams, mm. um, especially from, I don't know, from a Spurs perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, Man you might not think so as much. Um, but, yeah, it's like it's, it's always, I always want us to do well against Man U. Yeah. Um, I always really want us to have a good game. And even if we don't win, I want us to really like, you know, get stuck in and like perform. This is one of those games of the season to perform well.
0: Yep. You want
1: to perform well in.
0: Hmm. Yep. Totally. And and I thought uh, Spurs did perform well in the first half.
1: Yeah. I my um, I definitely watched in the game first half. It was like I said to you guys before. Like I was like, be prepared for a nil nil draw. Like I was very much kind of a feeling that's where we were gonna go in the first half. Yeah, just had the feeling of the game feeling like United were hungover maybe from playing on Thursday night traveling back to the UK again, having an away game in the Premier League and that being taking a, a toll on the players because it was just a lot of misplaced passes and a lot of kind of messy football for me at that point.
0: Yeah, it's funny from uh, the Spurs side, it was the first time that we've had the Hoybier Ndombélé, and La Celso midfield together. And also um, there's been a lot of noise around Mourinho and... Um, uh, not having a full week to prepare and he needs a full week because he's, you know, like a beautiful mind, you know, to come up with <laughs> like, you know, all these tactical positions. And for that first half, I was like, all well, the, the ideas here are really good. Mm. Like there's – but we're just not executing them. Like but it looks like, you know, we're holding the ball more. I think we actually finished the first half with 52% of the possession, which is amazing. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it was just great to – uh look like we had some semblance of a, of a foot, a toe in the game. Like it looked like, you know, we were up and it could go in a positive way. There was the potential. Mm. Yeah.
2: Oh, definitely. And it did really seem like, you know, okay, this, this might be the day that we actually start turning the season around and we start pushing forward to, to, you know, make a run for the top four and maybe it's okay. Mima Mourinho is okay. And so, I mean, Rob, do you have, you have that feeling before as a Man U fan? Like, a bit of a roller coaster with Mourinho up
1: and down? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, like, um, 100%, like, you're saying, like, it was great to see the lads try hard. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember what that felt like when Mourinho was the manager and it was just, like, games where it just felt like weeks would go by of games where players would not turn up at all and... You know, I've obviously not been watching Spurs this season, but like Mourinho just really just seemed disinterested when he was at United for long periods of time. And um, that, that reflected in the play, like in the players that just didn't seem interested at times as well. So I do not miss that feeling of those kind of games of where, oh, wow, great. They look like they want to play today. Not a great feeling.
0: I remember when we still had Poch and you guys had uh, Jose and watching you guys or when we would play you guys i'd be like ha
1: ha and
0: then then the media would be like united want pochettino and i'd be like oh no and (laughs) um and for some reason when jose came into spurs i was i I bought it i was like it'll all be different this time and it's not it's, it's like it's a very similar experience it's
1: been such a fall from grace for him hasn't it like he he's completely lost the mojo the magic for me like
2: Mm. Oh, definitely. It's also interesting as well. I was just going to say that you know the um, the other non-Spurs fan that we've had on um, so yeah. far this year was a Chelsea fan, Tim, and he was saying similar things about Mourinho as well. So we've just we've teed up guests who also have had Mourinho in yeah. the past um, unintentionally, um, mm. but it's just happened that way. And it's you're hearing the same thing over and over again. Mm. And I think the same. It's interesting now hearing it from you know fans and friends of ours, not sort of just hearing like you know, pundits who are trying to like put across some sort of, you know, biased report on something. And mm-hmm. that it's like, it's almost like every, everyone we know who goes for a club that, you know, Mourinho has managed in the past, when we talk about Mourinho now, they just start like grinning in the
1: sense of like, oh, don't worry, we know. <laughs> yeah. It's like a brotherhood. We've all been through it together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone saw the, uh, there was an athletic article about Mourinho's time at United. And some of the stuff that was reported in it was just – it was scathing. It was so damning of his process and um, how he got rid of a lot of the sports science stuff that Ferguson had brought in. Okay. And then post Mourinho leaving it took – it was like six months for Solskjaer to reinstate the sports science stuff that was already there and then bring the players' fitness back up to um, the standard that he wanted. Um, So, yeah, sort of made me uh, very – um uneasy about you know when Mourinho does get sacked um what the lingering effects of that will be
1: I mean where's Mourinho gonna go next like this feels like his last gig in club football to me like Mm. to me he could do Portugal maybe like I don't know what other team's gonna where he would want to go to and they would want to have him like I don't know where that's gonna be so if he's not throwing it all into this then you know, it does make you think that he's on the way out.
2: I I almost think though, like, to be fair, I haven't spoken to a Real Madrid fan. I haven't (laughs) spoken to an Inter fan to like really go through how things have like ended up there. But like this could be kind of it for him in England Mm -hmm. because it's also like, you know, Mourinho loves coming out and spinning things and, um, you know, to the narrative that sort of fits, fits whatever he's feeling like that day. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if when he does leave Spurs that it does then come out of this thing of like, it's about the Premier League, they're anti-Mourinho. Like he already talks a lot now in press conferences about being like anti-Mourinho, you're anti this, you're anti that. I think as well, even after this game, um, when he was in the post-match conference and they were asking about Solskjaer's comments um, and Mourinho went on, he went on sort of a rant there. And I think he walked out of the press conference and it was like, no, that's, you know, and it, but it was the same sort of thing of like other people can say what they want, but me, I know I have to, I have to hold my breath. I can't say what I want because basically saying because you jump on me if I do. So I can see him possibly going to some other side in Europe and uh, maybe, yeah, just just leaving leaving the Premier League.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I you don't think that one of the sort of more classically like mid to eighth place clubs, you don't think Everton or uh, well I can't say West Ham this season but someone like that won't come along and try and get him Or And would he go there? Like after.
1: I also think they wouldn't want him. Like mm. Moyes is doing a great, he's like rebuilding his career again at West Ham and Ancelotti has done great for Everton on the whole. Like mm. He's just lost. He's gone down like a couple of categories in terms of world managers in my eyes. Like, and uh, yeah, like you said, I could only see him going abroad now. Um, I-, I couldn't see him getting another gig in England.
2: Yeah, I think with Moyes, for example, like he's had a, a really, you know, interesting kind of rebound because like he, it, it, there was that step up to go into Man U um, and then it was as if he'd failed mm. there somehow. You know, it's like, oh, okay, he's not able to manage a big club. He's not fit to do that. Oh, he's, you know, he's kind of done in a sense. Um, and then, yeah, the stuff he's doing now, I mean, let's say i playing
0: a lot better football than Spurs are. Yeah, they certainly are. Are, yeah. we,
1: are we going to talk about Louis van Gaal next and just go through the full <laughs> former United post-Ferguson <laughs> uh, experience? Because that would be traumatic for me.
2: Oh, okay. Well, see, Louis van Gaal. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever way we can inflict a little bit of pain back towards you yeah, right okay, now yeah.
1: after the last couple of days, I think
2: we need to try and do. Okay, I'll, t- um, I'll take it. Although with van Gaal, I think we were in for him apparently as well mm. when he did choose to go to Man U really um and at the time I, there was a bit of a thing of like i think we did, we did want him to i don't know how much of you know the, if the full supported base was really behind getting van hal but there was definitely a sense of like oh van hal would be a good manager to get and then i think he went to Manu and was like oh missed out there but then that didn't go well
1: that that was the worst football of the post ferguson era uh, era was the van hal it was utterly awful just um sixty percent possession yeah uh plus and just doing nothing and having no shots on it was unbelievable. It was um really, really bad football from mm. what we'd previously seen.
0: Yeah. Yep. I remember watching a couple of Van Hal games. Um yeah and again being like ha ha and then uh, oh United are looking at Pochettino. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: um, I think there was one game where we put in like it was like thirty-five crosses or something oh. outrageous, <laughs> and it was just like no. It was like it just it was awful, awful. What a depressing time. we here. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like we've just gone down of like how the you know poor managers and uh, and everything. But it, it's like interesting. Like that's what you know. I think this result is indicative of what it has kind of done. Like before this game, um, you know, we were thinking, you know, like like we saying before, like we could possibly get the season back on track now. Mm. But after having this win and like having it go down in the manner that it, sorry, I'm living in an alternate reality there for <laughs> a second. After having this loss and in the manner that it, um, it happened, it's like the feeling has definitely dropped a lot in the last few days mm. um, if you're a Spurs fan. And I think a lot more people are sort of going more towards Mourinho out now um, because, you know, there were like two big games. This one, like Leicester, is a big, and of course now we've got Man City um in the cup in a few weeks yeah uh and i think Mm -hmm. after this united performance i think we're looking forward to that a lot less than what we were previously
0: oh yeah big time i'm almost on the side of sack him and get anyone in to manage just to get the new manager bounce and have that manager be you know do the whole like back to basics like you know kind of thing uh to get rid of whatever the hell is going like the the stink
2: yeah. And it's interesting because I think even a couple of weeks ago, uh, Barty, you and I, we were talking on here about, mm. you know, where do we sit with Mourinho? What do we feel? And we were both still at that stage kind of like, no, Mourinho in, you know, still some time. Yeah. Um, and that we weren't like, you know, mourinho mm. But we were just like, no, 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 it's not time to go Mourinho out. That sort of thing. But yeah. even now it's like, well, maybe we've reached that point. Yeah, totally. How long
1: has he been manager now for?
2: So at the end of this season, that would be this is still his first full season. Yeah. Um. So, but it's had like I don't know. I understand that managers need a lot of time to like you know get their sort of you know style of football playing, get things working. Like Solskjaer took a while to get things going. Menu.
1: Well, he he had like a lightning start where we won like a crazy. It was like fifteen games on the trot we won, and then I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> But then we had like this huge dive and we had periods of really poor performances and poor results and stuff. But to your point, yeah.
2: I think I only feel that way because at the start of this season, I was I had this feeling of like, man, you were done. Man, you were done this year. They're... There was that
1: time, yeah. There, there was like a time where he was under pressure for sure.
2: Yeah. And then you blink and then it's
1: a month or two later and then suddenly there's clear second. <laughs> and that's kind of what it feels like outside of City this year like it's just a mess mm. <laughs> like lack of consistency and um it, with the way you were just talking about riding a high feeling and then it come crashing down on one result that has been very much my experience in the united fan base of great result great result one bad result and it's like Ollie's oh, not the man Blah 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 everything's bad we need to rip everything up and start again and it's so fickle, so changeable, like within lots of fan bases right now. It seems. So on that, Rob, are you saying that we should stick with Mourinho? You, you can do what you want with Mourinho.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Rob, I wonder uh, your perspective on because after the game, after the um, the goal, the goal, the goal was called back. Um, mm. uh, I think it was was it. Roy Keane or whoever I was listening to commentate, um, they were going on about you know it was like games gone, football's dead. Can't believe that <laughs> that got called back, terrible. And from my incredibly biased Spurs perspective, I was like, obviously that's a foul. <laughs> right. like, obviously. So what did what did you think upon seeing that?
1: I, I didn't think it was a foul. Mm. Um, I thought although I saw um, was it Demet Gallagher was. Um, in the studio and he was saying it was a foul. It was unintentional, but it was a foul. And I could, I could see somebody saying that, but.
2: I was also going to say there was a clip for him a day later on Sky Sports. Um, oh, really? Where he, it seemed to be saying that he thought it wasn't a foul. Oh, really okay. so, But he did at that time, I remember seeing him in the studio saying, it's a foul for these reasons. And yeah. it, this is why it's a, it's just a foul. It's not a card. It's not any of that. Yeah. But then it seemed on the next day, even he was going back and forth on it.
1: I mean, it, it's not a foul for me no <laughs> <laughs> if if that was reversed I would have thought well we got away with one there yeah like, like it. it was at best a soft decision for mm. me and it was definitely the, the turning point in the game I thought mm.
0: what I thought was odd was that it was a lot lighter of a hit than the Pogba elbow in Oreo's yeah, face earlier. I agree. Like that was just completely swept under the carpet. Yeah, can well,
2: we talk about this Pogba elbow? Yeah. Uh to me, that is, I've seen players sent off for that mm. numerous times. You watch it back, um, and it looks worse and worse every time. Like he strikes out at Oreo there. Mm. And then I've heard the defense of like, well Pogba's a big guy. You know, he's a he's a tall dude. You know, he's taller than other players. And I'm like, well, did Pogba just wake up that morning and suddenly he was a foot taller than everyone and he hadn't mm. been previously? Like, I mean, he knows how to use his body. And this is also not the first time that he does like he does things like he's done that stuff like that before. Mm. So I the more and more I say that, I was like, how is that not even called as a foul? Yeah. Let alone like to me that's minimum yellow, borderline orange. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly red. I feel like orange cards should be in as a thing. Where it's like if you get an orange card, it's like not, not quite a red, but Send you're in. on such high alert that like if you even put in like a tackle. If for you, go of side, game, you, if you go offside. If you go <laughs> offside, <laughs> any tiny <laughs> infringement, foul throw, yeah. Yeah. then you're sent <laughs> off. Foul throw. So it's kind of like I guess if you're sentenced to like, but you know, um, I wasn't going to say like house arrest or something, but it's more just like, you know, you're on like, you're out on probation or something and it's like even the tiniest little thing yeah, uh, becomes a red
1: yeah i definitely thought that was more of a foul than the mctominay on son hand to the face um yeah there was there was a few kind of weird like throughout the game there were a few kind of weird challenges and people sometimes making more out of what it's seen on both sides like rashford had one as well and i was just like oh god like I am a bit like that at times. It's just, oh, just play on. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think there was one too with um, Lucas. Uh, yeah. Got the top of um, Bruno's foot. Yeah. Oh, and so. then it was two or three seconds and then Bruno just drops yeah. <laughs> and goes down. And I think it's like this is not either, again, you know, against players going down like in certain circumstances, mm-hmm. um, but it just seems like there's just a very, there's such a huge lack of consistency at the moment with calls. Mm. And it's I can see why manu fans are really um annoyed about the McTominay call. Um as a Spurs fan, I see it as like, okay, Son does get contact in the face and he goes down, bring it back. However, had VAR reviewed that and it didn't, you know, it didn't change anything, um, I probably would have been quite annoyed at the time. But 20 really? minutes later, I've moved on. Yeah. Um, which the interesting thing is it seems like Manu won the game, yet everyone is still fixated on this incident when the game's done and it it didn't really change the result overall. Mm-hmm. It probably looked like lit the fire under Manu to 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 sort of really get things going in the second
1: half. I think it did. I think it was the it was the kickstart of the game. Like before, then it had been pretty poor, and then this was the moment whereby that four minute period where one goal is disallowed and the Spurs go at the end and score a very good goal. And then it was like, oh, okay, we need to start playing football now, and um, that was where the game began. Really, that moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we got that uh, Spurs goal pretty soon after that, and um, that was like a little blink of good Mourinho football, where it was, you know, this sort of like, you know, one touch pinging around, and then excellent. Yeah, and then Son scores. Um, and that's what's so punishing about Tottenham this year is that you get those little glimpses every now and then where it's like,
1: oh, that was great. Oh, wow, yeah. cool. Let's do that again, and
0: it, it it doesn't happen again.
1: That was one of those goals for me where the finish, 10 times out of 10, you've got to put that in, but I think that's such a hard finish to do. Mm. Like I know the professional footballers, so you expect them to do it every time, but it's one of those, like, if that's going to me, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> almost like, I wish I wasn't here right now. <laughs> Because um, it's it's really hard to do that first-time clean hit back of the net type thing, even though it was pretty close. But um, I, it was such a good goal. It was a really well-worked goal.
0: Yeah. And, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Dan, but I started feeling the feeling of dread uh, after you know, we'd scored. I felt good. And then immediately I was like, oh, no, it's 1-0. <laughs> <You know?
2: laughs> yeah. And, I mean, we've been in so many 1-0 positions. Like, I think in the league we've lost 12 points, which doesn't seem like a lot. But it's a lot. That's mm. four wins we've lost from like being in leading positions. So and
1: the reverse, United winning the most points from losing positions in the league. That's like, a great feeling that like you must have. four 24 points or something like that. <laughs> yeah, how does that feel? Does that feel good? Oh, it's, it's so good, lads. <laughs> I feel
2: like that reminded, that feeling I used to have um, in the like peak potch days. Yeah. Um, I think there was there was a feeling then when we were playing really well that if we, even if we went down in the first 20, 30 minutes, it's like, don't worry, we're going to pull this back. Mm. We're going to come back. And, and I'm, like, I'm not sure of the statistics around that, but I do remember a distinct period where we were actually like coming back from games pretty regularly um, where we wouldn't start that well, but then we would sort of come back over the top of teams. And it's like, you know, if we were going to score
0: one, we were going to score three sort of thing. Uh, but now it is the complete reverse of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even in Potcher's first year, there were a bunch of times we went down by a goal and then scored the winner in injury time. And the, you know, the football that year wasn't great, but what was exciting was it felt like there was something, that, you know, whether this is the absolute reverse of that and it feels like it's building to absolutely nothing. Oh, definitely. And, yeah, I, I think that's the, you know, the, the
2: thing too. It, at 1-0 in this game, it was never, ever going to be enough. No. <laughs> no. Never. Like we're never going to ride this out and it's going to, you can play the game a thousand times over. We're never going to win that game one nil. Yep. It's just, it's just simply can't happen. Like there's too much quality in that menu team. That um, There's something, they're going to come back to some extent um, or it, we're suddenly going to get under a lot of pressure and, you know, the menu are going to get in the box and we all know what happens when, when you get in the box. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean, Rob? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, I think you got the benefit of the refereeing decisions <laughs> this time.
2: Well, we can go back to the Pogba elbow if we. But no, no, it's <laughs> orange. <laughs> yeah. Get out some orange cards, and we'll all be happy then. <laughs>
0: yeah. I still love the what you were going to say about the orange card leading to house arrest. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like it's like yellow. Two yellows is a red. Red that's one game. Red is three games. But orange and a sending off is house arrest.
2: Yeah, I like it's look. Okay, it's maybe a heavy-handed yep. tactic, but it would stop some, some of these orange and red cards,
0: wouldn't it? That's true. That's true. That's I think, true. I mean, yeah. I mean, you don't want to go and house arrest.
2: Well, so why am I saying it would stop these orange cards? Like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. There's an orange card problem at the moment <laughs> of so many incidents where it's ruining games. Um, I don't know. I, I guess the overall point there and, and and on all of these sort of incidents that we're talking about from this match is it seems like, you know, VR was coming in to try and make things clearer. Yeah. And it seems like at this stage, it's just making things a lot more complicated, a lot more confused. Um, and you just get so many incidents now where something happens in a game and then you hear the commentators go, and VAR is checking that. Yeah. And the check is complete. And you're like, how is that not a thing there? But then you get in other games and yep. VAR is checking it. Um, like Lamella, he's, uh, he got sent off against Arsenal, mm. um, and I'm pretty sure that was um, that was a similar thing. It, it's it's just causing frustration for everyone, and then I think what it also is doing now is it's making fans argue more with each other, both internally for fans from your own club and mm-hmm. also fans of other clubs, um, because it it can't, it's weird. It's like when you're in the middle of a game and you see this VAR replay and they keep going through it, it allows every single supporter to play ref in their head for like two minutes straight. And then you just build up your idea of what that is. And you're either like, yep, yeah, that's a foul on, that's a foul on Son. Or you're like, there's no way that's a foul on Son. Um, whereas previously, you know, those instances would be brushed by in games and we'd all move on. And maybe we'd look at it later after yeah. the game and you'd see like, oh, that maybe should have been a foul. But it's like, it really creates these moments of like intense pressure I where agree. everyone feels it and gets on board and everyone gets a lot more heated around it
1: also takes up so much time like that son one it was like reviewed by the magic ref in the sky for like <laughs> two or three minutes and it was like oh this one's too tough i can't make a decision so i have to get the ref over to look at it as well and it's like what is what is going on like I, i'm all up for improvements to the game but I, I just don't think the way the var has been implemented has has done it justice. I don't. I don't think it's working the way that they wanted it to, because there are mistakes still being made. So it's like, well, what are we doing?
0: It's funny. I was at um, an AFL game on the weekend, and they have like goal review technology. It's called, cool, but it looks like it's one person with a 1999 Sony handycam in the crowd <laughs> filming, and the angle is so bad that it's, it's every call is like uh, inconclusive. Umpires call. But in a way, it's like they just revert to what it would have been anyway. Yeah. But it also, uh, you're like, oh, okay, well, it's so bad that it's like almost not as contentious as VAR in the prem where they've got like 600 cameras on, you know, and and they've got Hawkeye in the goal and all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. I really wonder if you looked at where it is now compared to um, before we had VAR and you actually saw, okay, how many decisions did get missed? Like if you, like now there's enough data to go across a a number, you know, a couple of seasons now in VAR. You could look and go, okay, per season, how many big decisions were missed pre-VAR? How many have been fixed post-VAR? And see, is it really like balancing out and like fixing those things? Mm. Um, Like, I I don't know exactly what those numbers are, but it seems almost like so many fans, I think, would be making that trade of if someone said, hey, you can just take this pill and go back to pre-VAR world, and, yep, there might be some incidents where there's a handball or there's, you know, a tackle or there's a there's a little elbow or there's something like that that doesn't get picked up. But, you know, you never have to worry about the other VAR things again. I think we would probably all be going, yeah, let's do that.
0: Mm. I would. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so moving on to the second half, uh, Spurs um, – confirmed all my uh, worst fears I don't know what Mourinho says to them at halftime because <laughs> <laughs> he says oh I, I don't tell them to come out and play uh defensively in the second half um it's like well, what are you what are you doing though because I think in the second half we had like 32% possession and we were so passive and then um counter to that Man United came out just ready to go yeah Um, yeah, it was immediately, it was like, Oh, here we go. You're like, we're going to concede. Yeah. It's like, what did he say? Half time you go? Well, boys job done. (laughs) I don't know.
2: Was that it? Like, it's kind of, yeah, I I, I really, I agree with you. Like what actually happens in these halftime team talks, um, to cause these things. And like you say, like Mourinho is always blaming the players for, they're not playing the way he wants them to. Mm. Um, but there's like, of course. Some blame needs to go to the players, um, and we've we've spoken a lot about the players in the squad. And like, you know, there are a lot still left over from Poch that, like, you know, they couldn't get things done under Poch, and uh, they might not be sort of good enough now. But there are definitely enough quality players in our team that you kind of think if they were just out there playing, doing their thing, we'd be able to get some some more results here. So I, I it's it's so weird just constantly having these these um this like I guess this rhetoric from Mourinho of like credit saying the team's not playing how he wants them to when it seems like we're setting up exactly how he wants to.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, like uh, similarly, well, first we have, I should talk about the, the first goal, which was the, the Fred goal, which. Uh, it's just so painful to go through all yeah. these, isn't it? Our defense, like it was just, I think I sent you, Dan, a screenshot and like Hoybier's at right back. Son is in defensive midfield. Lucas is at defensive midfield. Uh Rodon is like halfway halfway down the the right hand wing or something. Like it's just so all over the place. Mm. It's like what what is the what is the plan? Like what is the um organization here?
2: Yeah. yeah. And then you, you showed me that other photo where it shows um just after the goal is scored, where you see three Spurs defenders have just um put their hands up. Um, <laughs> so I side. think it's like Rodon yeah. Dyer and I can't remember who the last one is, but Um, They're basically – they're just like putting up calling for offside and they didn't track Fred's run because they'd already put their hands up and stopped Mm. and gone like, oh, it's off. Um, And it's like that's not like a resolute defence that does that.
0: No, no. I I think we have said this before in this podcast that I've never seen Spurs not play to the whistle more than this season. There's been Mm. so many occasions where they have thought it was a foul or offside and they've just stopped and then the other team scores – Um, and it's like, just keep on playing. Like you putting your hand up now, isn't going to like, that's not going to change the outcome. You just need to keep on, especially, you know, we've just talked at length about how we don't like VAR, but with VAR, if it is offside, they'll call it back. You think hopefully, and then do geometry for 10 minutes before.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it almost feels like maybe to some extent players do in certain instances get a bit lazy because they go like, oh, well, that's going to be offside. VR is going to find it. We're going to stop. Mm. which I'm not saying is a good way to be, mm. but to try and like, if we tried to sit down and go, okay, how could they possibly
1: have made the decision that they made? I don't know if there's something there around that. Um, I think they just look really to the point that you were saying earlier. I think it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you keep losing leads and it becomes like a mental thing. And I felt like it was a combination of confidence or lack of confidence in Spurs at the back, particularly and United, particularly wing back seemed a lot more further up the pitch in the second half and it just felt like consistent constant pressure and the ball just in that final third Mm. and um quick passing like my perspective of burgo it was a great goal it was like really good one touch passing Mm. and movement i guess if i was putting my uh, like the other hat on it would be like yeah that did look a bit easy to cut through there was a lot of no one was really tracking the runs and stuff but um i guess that's what that's what they teach you yeah like keep moving like don't don't be an easy person to mark but like you know premier league level you've got to be tracking your man a bit more than that and not stopping playing (laughs) Oh, because they teach you, think, you that at like under
2: tens. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Play to the whistle. You yeah, a, you I, go I for mean it.
1: trust me, you know it's bad if Fred is scoring against you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I,
2: I think I was just going to add as well. Like, I think to your point of like a self fulfilling prophecy, um, and Barney, like psychologically, you might be able to you know add something on this as well. But like, it feels like maybe if our players are expecting to concede, like they are getting into the second half of games and they're playing with that fear of like, oh, no, we're going to concede. We better not concede a late goal. We better not concede a late goal. Oh, no, we've conceded a late goal. Mm. Like I could imagine that that would actually really start having an effect on performances.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, there's a bunch of research in uh, the way like self-talk and how we talk to ourselves, especially in those situations and how um, as opposed to, you know, like one of the main examples used is like stepping up for a penalty if you're thinking uh, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, just – Thinking about missing, yep, because your brain, uh, like if I say to you, don't think about a pink elephant, like you think about a pink elephant, like that's art. I thought that. about one, yep. yep. <laughs> um, you're better off thinking top right corner, top right corner, top right corner, um, as opposed to that. And so, if that kind of self talk is you know, like don't concede a goal, don't concede a goal, we always concede a goal, don't concede a goal, you mentally, you know, like I, I can't say like if this is a direct effect or not, but like. Uh, it probably, according to the, you know, the research, increases the likelihood of you taking action that leads to conceding a goal. The second thing is that uh, self-efficacy in sport is really important, which is mm. the, you know, the belief that um, you are able to perform in difficult circumstances. And interestingly, you would think that after the last game that we played United in where it was a, a good win, there would be some belief from the squad that they could do it again But what we saw, especially in the second half, was that they I think you're totally right, Rob, just a complete lack of confidence that they could, um, you know, take the game out. Um, So, yeah, I agree. They just look so, like, sad. (laughs) You know, they look so low. And it's not just that the defense, um, you know, people have talked at length about how the defense is terrible and they make all these individual errors in Mourinho and the media and whatever. But like our forwards this game as well looked exactly the same. It looked like um, there was no way they were going to score in the second half because they just, yeah, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was bad to watch.
1: <laughs> I mean, Kane looked completely isolated in the second half. Absolutely. he's like he just, I feel like everybody for Spurs dropped mm. back and Kane was just well, okay, like, okay, not much I can do here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and I think that's the the interesting thing about how we are actually playing with Kane at the moment is that, um, it is in some ways, yeah, he's lifted his game and he's developed this, obviously, this ability to make assists to, to, to get so many more assists than he has previously. But it seems like the rest of the team has to really be ticking and making those runs all day long for that to really happen. Otherwise, we have no one up front. And it's been like in the last couple of games, we've tried playing like Kane and Vinicius and it hasn't really sort of like worked out that well. Like whenever mm. we won against Villa... Um, but I was like Newcastle, that didn't, didn't really work well. Um, and so it just seems, a, I don't know, like I'm finding it a little bit weird at the moment when if Kane is our sort of most forward player, um, he is dropping back and it's like, we're not really getting those runs through. Like Son's not really making as many runs as he was earlier on in the season. Um, we also don't really have anyone coming from the right um, mm. to make those runs either. So it kind of puts us in a pretty limp position when we are trying to attack. Um, and yeah, this happened in that game where it's like Man United just started like, you know, pushing us further and further back. And then there's something always when we play Man United that when they start getting in their rhythm and they start pushing forward, it's like they break quite well, even if it's not from like a full counter attack. But as soon as a bit of space opens up, it looks like Man United are really a team that can exploit that, um, with like just ridiculous pace
1: so fast up front it, it, um, although Cavani instead of Martial he's injured right now but um Greenwood and Rashford just combine so they're so dangerous on counter-attack for that and they're very very good at quick possession quick passing and moving and when you kind of uh, combine that with Bruno who can pick out very good passes then it's lethal like I, this is why United have done so well away from home this year um, we've been much worse at home <laughs> yeah. because we found it much easier to be uh, counterattacking and kind of just hitting people on the break.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, just from the way you described it there, you've described multiple options on a counter towards goal, yeah. whether Spurs is Endombele to Kane to Son. And then if you mark Endombele, Kane and Son, like where, where are the goals coming from? They're not because that's the only route that we seem to have. and And, you know, we had that great period at the start of the season. And then as soon as teams worked that out, it's sort of as fallen apart.
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's, yeah, it's really weird. Cause like we were sitting back so much at the start of the season, inviting that and then hitting on the counter and we were, we were looking pretty lethal on the counter too. Yeah. Um, but it's almost a thing. It's like, if we're not sitting back and conserving that energy throughout the start of the game, uh, it's like almost, we don't have the energy to really just unleash on the counter I'm not saying that I want us to be sitting back and trying to just play sure. counter-attacking football, but it almost seems like now because we've kind of abandoned that and we're we're trying to like you know control the games a little bit more and we're trying to play it a little bit more, um, it almost seems that if we do get into the chances where we do start a bit of a counter, um, we're not really there's not that same ferocity um, that we had.
1: Would, would your preference have, would have been for Lamella to start then? Like I feel like when he came on, I, I was like. Oh, I'm glad he's only been a sub. I feel like he's such a good player and um has that uh ability you know kind of a Bruno s type kind of can do something can make something happen and certainly from my perspective, I was glad that he hadn't started um and when he came on, I was like, okay, then we need to keep an eye on him um, so I wasn't sure if your preference would have been to have had him in the team from the beginning or that's probably the highest praise I've ever heard someone give
0: Lamella outright <laughs> yeah. do you reckon yeah. Yeah, especially outside Spurs. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, well, it's, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Rob, because I wanted to uh, bring up the fact that when a sub did happen, LaCelso went off for Musa Sissoko after we had just drawn the game. Like, that makes absolutely no sense to me yeah. at all. Like, I get if LaCelso has to come off because he's coming back from injury, fine. I understand that. Whatever. But you have so many other options on the bench, like Lamella, to come on at that point. Or it could have been Bale, or it Bale. could have been Ali, um, it could have yeah. even been Vinicius. Like, but instead, Moose Soko came on. Like, it. Uh, what?
2: Yeah. Like, I. I think this. Like, I think yeah, Lascello going off was not the problem, um, because yeah, I, I do think it looked like he wasn't still. He's not still at one hundred percent. Like. Um, and it looked like he'd slowed down a bit. He wasn't really getting involved in the game. He was getting really stuck in at the start and had yeah. a couple of really nice tackles. Mm. Um, but it seemed like he had slowed down. Um, but then I think you're right, Barney, like going, going to then mis- like Sosoko, who I think now Sosoko cops a bit more flack than he deserves from like a lot of supporters um, put up things like, Oh, he's the worst player that they've ever seen. And it's like, it's not that like a few players, a few seasons ago, he was like a really good player for us and really played well in, um, in that sort of like you know holding midfield spot but yeah it's he's not a player that inspires confidence of like okay now we're gonna keep attacking and we're gonna keep having a go at the game um I think you're right Barney the suggestions that you made were like any one of those players would have shown a little bit more attacking intent whereas this kind of said to United come at us
0: mm, yeah I, I mean uh, my problem isn't with the player Mr Sissoko at all coming on it's the fact that Jose Mourinho as the manager decided at that point that that was the player that should come on, which I just think is like complete, like from another planet kind of decision-making. Like it just, I don't understand. He's not going to, you know, even in you know his like best season for us, he's not a type of player that's going to pass the ball forward and make things happen. That's just not what he does. Um, and that's what we needed to do at that point. Um, yeah, i baffling. Yeah. The yeah, the other thing, it was, it
2: was interesting to see Bale come on, um, while we're talking about the subs Yeah, with like eight minutes, eight today. minutes or something. Yeah. Oh. And it's like, Bale, it's such an interesting one. What's sort of happened with Bale? Um, it's like, cause the big argument there is like, he doesn't track, he doesn't defend, he doesn't do this. He can't be up for a game like this. But at the end of the day, he also is capable of those moments of brilliance, mm. Um, And he's still a class player. Like some of the goals he scored this season have been like, they're just top shelf like quality goals. Mm. Um, He also gets on the ball. He does get things happening. Um, So it seemed, again, maybe we were making changes, being too concerned about United and going like, well, United are going to keep coming at us so we better get more defensive rather than like, well, what if we just keep taking the game to them? Um, Because personally, I don't think Man U have the best back line. No. like and in terms of like i think if you go at Maguire and lindelof like they can make mistakes um, yep. as really we showed in the first game of the season like when we played him earlier one
1: well, the goal like lindelof was doing some bizarre pirouettes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when tottenham scored so it was, yeah completely agree with that the, that's our weakness like at the back there and it's it's almost like a f- philosophical thing like bringing on a sub like um like Sissoko instead of Amu, instead of Bale or whoever at that point in time is more, it is saying like we're responding to you rather than being proactive and bringing the game. And it's just, it, it just sends out that message that we're more bothered about what you do than letting you deal with what we can do. And so it's almost like that. On the back foot, sorry.
2: Yeah, no, no. It, I was just going to say on that point, it almost seems like that's how Mourinho has been taking this whole season of like, we're more bothered about what you can do And then it's sort of like changing our game plans to sort
0: of suit that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was that report. The players were complaining about the fact that all the training sessions are about is what the other team can do. And what are those dangers rather than like, what are the solutions to overcoming those dangers? It's more just like, well, we'll stop them, (laughs) but like, what can we actively do to change the game in our favor? Um, I also thought like. I have such jealousy over, like, we brought in Bale and United brought in Cavani this season. And when the Cavani deal happened, I was like, oh, that's a panic buy. But his movement during this game was unreal. He
1: was great. Yeah. So impressive. I really hope he's going to kick on for the rest of the season now. Like, there's not long to go, but we, ne- we need him right mm-hmm. now. Like, Martial is out for a long time and... um I don't like Rashford or Greenwood leading the line on the right. Like, Cavani is a proper leading the line mm. striker, and he showed it today. He, uh, well in, uh, during the game, he was great. I thought him and Pogba were the best players on the pitch.
2: Well, and Cavani's so experienced. Like, and he's done it in multiple leagues. Like, yep. you know, he scored for fun in Italy. Um, I mean, look, scoring for fun in France, like, you know, that's. I think Lamella could go over there and win the goal. <laughs> that, that's probably a bit of a, an exaggeration, but like, playing for PSG in France, I don't think it's a really good test of like how great a player is. Sure. But given that he had done it previously in in Serie A for a number of years uh, and scoring ridiculous amounts of goals. Yeah. um, And then you can just see like in this game, he wanted wanted it. He went to win. He was furious when that goal was disallowed. Mm, Yeah. Earlier. There was also another incident where he got in with Rodan. Yeah. And I think it was like, as a Spurs fan, I look at it and I go like, get out of here Cavani,
1: leave him alone.
2: But if that was our forward, I'd be going like, yeah get stuck in give the defenders a bit of like you know yeah. a bit of attitude um and you could see that he was up for it and he was like he was just like not red mist stage but like he was like i'm i want to win this game
1: he was ultra focused and like um what a great it was a great guy go- i thought the game was full of great goals like outside of that first 35 minutes i thought there were four five including the one that was just like really really good <laughs> goals like all of them were really good goals i felt and um you know, I love a diving header. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it was, a, it was a fantastic goal. Um, the other thing that happened in this game, which I, I've stuck in my head since the Spurs documentary, is I can't remember who we were playing. It might have, it no, it was City. And there's a clip of Mourinho talking at halftime. And he's like, he's, he's got a yellow card. He's got a yellow card. He's got a yellow card. And you know, you know they're thinking about that, blah, blah, blah. And in this game, United ended up with five yellows. And the whole time I was like, Let's get one of them sent off. Like, yeah. do it. And it didn't look close to happening once. Wow. Well, uh, and yeah. I think
2: you're right. Like, as soon and a lot of those yellows happened earlier mm. in the
0: game. They did. And
2: like, we could also argue as well. Like we said before, Pogwa should have been on yellow too, which yep. Yep. might have changed things. But yep. there were enough United players who were on yellows where. And I think when we were watching the game, buddy, I sent you a message and like, we can go after that. Like, go yeah. after them. Like, mm. um, if you've got a player like. Because who, like... Um, McTominay was the first. I McTominay think. was the first.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: Fred. Mm-hmm. yeah. McGuire, Shaw and Cavani.
2: Yeah. It's like, especially those defenders, mm. like, go at them. Like, if you've got someone on a yellow, like, I don't care if, like, you know, you, you go at them a little bit more than you probably should. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, I think you've you got to exploit those things. When they happen so early in the game... Put that person under a lot of pressure.
1: Completely agree.
2: Because then every single decision, they are in their he- their own heads, going, mm. "I'm on a yellow. I can't, I can't fully go in for this. I can't take that little risky tackle that I might normally go for because if I miss challenge, miss time I'm going to be sent off." Um, and it seems maybe that's a mentality thing as well, like what we're talking about, mm. of like instead of having that like killer instinct to go like all these players are on yellows, so let's let's get after them. Um, we just kind of didn't do anything mm. about it um, at all, and it's like it's it it sort of changed so much. Like, and I think that's what was so exciting at the start of the game when when it felt like mm. it, we're up for it. We're like, man, they're they're fouling, they're fouling, they're sort of getting into a bit of trouble here, and then we just didn't exploit that at all.
1: Yeah, it's such a damp squid of a kind of <laughs> performance in the end. Really mm. what you, thinking about it, like listening it to it from your perspective, it really was like a damp squid of a from the promising start to like almost inevitable <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> loss at the end. Like it, it felt watching it from my perspective, it did feel like I can, yeah, we're going to get this. Like, yeah, it just felt like it was going to happen.
2: Yeah. It kind of felt like we were like, you're a little kid and you're having a birthday party and like everyone's setting up all the, you know, um, all the decorations. You got a really nice cake there. Mm-hmm. It's looking great. You got some nice music playing. It's going to be like, this is going to be the best birthday ever. And then no one turns up and is left there by yourself. And it's just the, the most disappointing day. Like it's a more disappointing day than if the birthday party was never going to happen.
1: And your mum is Jose Mourinho. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest disappointment of all.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, also, I guess post game, the, the interview that Son did for uh, Spurs TV. I, I don't know if you saw this, Rob, but I like... <laughs> He's like the most happy-go-lucky, um, you know, encouraging guy and it looked like everyone he had ever known or loved had died. Like it was just he was so upset and so upset to the point where it's like, okay, well, you, you might be this upset after a, a cut final loss but just, yeah, he looked devastated mm. um, and it makes you think like what is going on <laughs> behind the scenes here? Like what, what is happening? Yeah, it seemed like much more than just a,
2: that game. Mm. And it's like that game was really just like the straw that broke the camel's back in a sense of like Son's emotions because like, yeah, like you said, he he looked as dejected as the team looked when we lost the Champions League final Liverpool. Yeah. Um, like he was like he, he couldn't even speak. Um, and so he's trying to give this interview and he's just like, oh, like he's like when I said, I've never seen him that sort mm. of like down for like an interview after the game or um even if you've seen him interviewed before when we have lost Mm. like he's he's more the sort of person who comes out and he's like oh you know we know we've just got to get back on it we've got to you know keep doing work and we keep doing things and it didn't go our way today but we need to we need to sort of get back up um and i don't get the impression that son is like just saying those things for the hell of it Mm. in 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 the past like Mm. he genuinely seems to really believe that and be really positive but I mean, he seemed like so dejected.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think as a fan, you want you want to see your players care, and you want to see them affected by a defeat. But um, yeah, the way you've described that is like another stage on, which is more concerning and indicative of a of a larger issue potentially. Like you're saying like um, not not a great vibe in the dressing room potentially.
2: Mm. Yeah, well, like you said, Barney, like there's like that can't just be from that defeat. Mm. and that's it. Like, it's got to be
0: more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. And we may never know what that
1: is. Well, well mu- we also might know soon because he's, like, supposed to sign a new contract soon. So Yeah, that's true. How much is riding on that SETI game now for you guys? Like, it's... Um... I, I I think less, in a sense, because I
2: think that the expectations are going out the window more and more okay. each week now. Mm. Uh, I don't, would you agree, Barney? Like, it's kind of, like... I think even a week or two ago we were starting to look forward to like the League Cup game and yeah, and, and have something, but now it's kind of dropped a bit.
0: Mm, well, yeah, I mean I kind of feel like when we first got to the final I was excited and like you said, yeah, as recent as a couple of weeks ago, but now it just feels like, oh, great, I get to watch us lose a final. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the feeling, which is awful. Like there's no, there's no optimism there. It's just like, oh. Uh, it's like the greatest thing
2: to look forward to is that on the Spurs online shop, the Carabao Cup finalist merch is just going to be at a heavy discount the next day, mm, mm-hmm. um, 50% off. And <laughs> see, Rob, I, I feel like this is something that Man you probably wouldn't do. They wouldn't make a whole bunch of merchandise that is like Carabao Cup finalists and put that up for sale.
1: I can assure you if there's a chance to make merchandise, the Manchester United will be doing
2: Uh, i could be wrong then yeah Um,
1: well i i i I certainly wouldn't be buying it but um (laughs) there's nothing quite like a merchandise opportunity for manchester united to strike i can assure you
2: yeah that's true uh yeah uh, that's fair um
1: particularly in recent years (laughs) maybe 10 years ago we we may have turned our noses up a bit more but you gotta take what you can get now
2: yeah that's true um yeah I, i guess it's yeah, I don't know. It's it just feels it just feels really it just it's, this is really sucky feeling this whole week at the moment. Um, I think as well, like you know, it is it is again one of those seasons where you know it is there for the taking. By no means, like the Premier League title wasn't there for the taking because obviously City were just so clear of everyone. But like, if we just had a couple of these results, we could be in fourth here with a mm-hmm. couple of points to spare. But now we're in a scrap with like six teams going for, you know, third and fourth, um, which I think from a neutral perspective is really interesting. Um, but when you're one of these clubs now, if you're a club that's not used to qualifying in there, you mean, you'd be loving it. Like West Ham would be loving life right mm-hmm. now. Mm, totally. Um, but like, you know, teams like ourselves, like where, it, again, it just feels like a sort of a missed opportunity um, where if we just put together, we didn't even need to have a, like a stellar season. We just needed to like get a few like
1: more positive results it's really make up i really do think it's make or break for spurs now because it's spurs can still finish in the top four and win the caribou cup that is a more than acceptable year i think like tell me if you disagree i think that sounds like a good season particularly where we're at right now but like you have to pull out of this funk that you're clearly in right now (laughs) because I want you to beat city. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want city winning a quadruple. Uh, but no, seriously, like it's possible. And I just feel like there's like maybe one game before the Caribbean cup is there like uh, another league game this weekend.
0: So there is, uh, Everton this weekend and then we've got five days later, we have Southampton. Uh, and then four days after that is the league cup final.
1: Tough game. Everton.
0: Yeah
2: yeah um, and I think as well Everton still have a game or two in hand mm. um as well, and like they you know they're in in the race of fourth too, and yeah um yeah, it's really it's just so bizarre if um, you
1: win those two games, then you're going into the final flying high, we kind of have to like
2: yeah. if we lose to Everton and then lose to Southampton what's, <laughs> like. like Thank you. For, there, thank you for joining the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like everything's cancelled at that stage, uh, it's like what happened. Like there's just there's almost no point in watching the Carabao Cup um, if we go to that. Like we we have to get some positivity flowing back around. Um, we have like, and I I just don't know how we do that at that stage because it's like we can't make any signings now to like not that a signing would fix the sure. that whole situation, but. You know, sometimes you get to the middle of the season and you make a key signing. It just gives a boost to everyone there. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost feels like if Mourinho gets, like, was to get sacked, which he's not going to get sacked before the end of the season, but if he was to go now, it's like a new manager doesn't really have time to come in and sort something out um, unless it's like, you know, Ryan Mason, caretaker manager. Um, that would make a great story though if he came in and led us to the Carabao Cup. With a victory over City. Get Tim Sherwood
1: in. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, throw a few punches in the dressing room. <laughs>
0: um, I See, part of me thinks if we were to lose both those games and Daniel Levy pulls the trigger and Mourinho gets fired and then Ledley King or Ryan Mason or someone is the manager for the cup final, it then sets up this, there's no pressure. It's like, what is going to happen? Who knows? Um it's cool that one of those guys is is leading us for the next couple of games and it feels like then there is the potential for something really random to happen. Um, But with Jose at the helm, it's just like, well, we're going to do this passive, we might do a low block, we might do this weird mid-passive block thing and (laughs) Sosaka will come on at 60 minutes and, you know, like, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's something that, you know, Jose's been talked about so much about his like mentality in the past. That was always the thing that he was known for. Yeah. Um, and it's like, there's been enough time to work with this team now to to either get that mentality going or not, or for him to go like, here are the players who can't, who I don't think mentally like can rise to, um, rise to yeah. what I need them to rise to and sort of start shipping them out. Um, but yeah, it's like, what are we going to do in that game? Yeah. what
0: are we going to do? I don't know.
2: Like it's, it's, um,
1: you never know. You never know.
2: (laughs) We like, and that's the thing. Like, I think we spoke about this last week too, that like, there's such a lack of identity of like how we play as a team. Um, and what's happening. Like, like I, I think we get to that game. We need to have like a bail in. We need to, like, you know, he's won four champions leagues, Mm. um, scored in finals. Like we need to start doing things like that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just grim. It's just a grim situation Yeah, at the moment.
1: I, I am getting PTSD listening to this. Like <laughs> it is it, really taking me back. It is like exactly the same feeling. I, you have my sympathy. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> what for you, Rob, was the, like, what were the worst points of having Mourinho? And what were the, I mean, obviously you won a couple of trophies, so that, mm-hmm. I guess they would be the best points. But yep. like, yeah, for you, yeah. What were some sort of milestone moments?
1: Well, yeah, I, I think the the, um, the the trophies obviously were the main one, the Europa League. But even that, like, it was um, the thing to remember around that was he had put all the eggs in that basket because we were not looking at finishing in the top four mm. for the Champions. so It was like this is our only way to the Champions League this year and um they're just being it was more like a huge sigh of relief at the end of it and it was i just didn't like the feeling of us being a cup team like like Mm. so much of our identity had been built on like consistency in the league and this was like not that at all so it was just uh, just weird yo-yo performances um and him being like like a grumpy old man all mm. the time and critical and just didn't look like he wanted to be there. Like when he, he, he was manager, he was living in a hotel
0: mm. in
1: um, Salford for the whole time. It, it was, he just never looked settled at all. Mm. Like, and it showed, it really, really showed like in him and in the team. Mm. So, you know, nice that we won the trophy. Like hopefully we'll have a chance at it again this year, but like not a happy time, mm. not a happy time at all.
2: Well, it, it almost seems like from um, a Spurs fan's perspective too, it's like even if you go, okay, let's go to the end of the season, we finish fourth, we win the Carabao. Like there's not that much
0: excitement still though to keep going with Mourinho under that. No, no, there's definitely not. Um, but yeah. To me, if he if he does that though, that like you were saying, Rob, that is a really successful season. Um, and, I, you know, like if he gets to the Champions League, it's like, well... It's pretty harsh to be like, see you, bro, (laughs) once he does that. But also part of me is like, well, that perfectly sets us up to bring in uh, Julian (laughs) Nagelsmann with Champions League money and we can do this and we can do that and, um, yeah.
2: Well, it seems like it's that thing of like with with Mourinho, because the conversations from Swiss Hands earlier on in the season, when we were top of the league... um, and, and we weren't playing that – like we were playing well in terms of executing a game plan it seemed like, mm-hmm. but we weren't playing like attractive football. Mm-hmm. So the, all the conversations then around fans are like, are, we, are you happy to like for us to play like this for a season if it means we get a title? <laughs> yeah. And then to that extent it's like, hell yeah. Like mm. let's – we get a title at this stage? Don't care what that is. Like even if we just set up like 11 defenders just standing just on the goal line – I don't know how we score in that scenario, but if we play disgusting football and we win a title, I think it's like, you can go, okay, cool. Like that was, um, you know, there's at least we get some taste of success that then for the next season, we can go, okay, now let's start broadening our horizons a little bit and like trying to play a bit more expansive or, or whatever. But now if it's like, we play like this and we finish fourth and we get a Carabao, or if we play like this and we finish fourth, it's like, technically the objective has been achieved, but I mean, throughout the season, like, was it worth it to finish fourth?
1: And that's how it felt that year with, with Mourinho. Like it was, it was like a, like a kind of hollow victory. It was like, well, you got what you wanted. It was oh like, well, did we, is that really what we wanted? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I can, again, I can, I can absolutely understand that feeling.
2: Yeah. Um, well, guess look, we'll see, we'll see. So what, what sort of comes from all that, um,
1: is, so, is, who would you get in though? Like, I, I just don't even know like what the options would be. Like, um, well,
2: Nagelsmann is the name that is floating around a lot, and you don't know if that's press. If you don't know if that's whatever. Yeah. Um. There have been interviews with Nagelsmann before where he hasn't said Spurs, but he has kind of articulated that he does want. He doesn't want to move to like a Madrid or a Barca as his next move. Um, and that there's a, like these articles have sort of been quite in depth on him and like he's spoken very like openly I think about these things of like okay. they're like he's got a career plan for what he wants to do and it's like he he's not as concerned about his next move necessarily being to a big huge super club. Like he would welcome moving to a bigger club um, but like, you know, for example like if, um, yeah, like if, if Spurs job came up and we did have Champions League, then I could see that as being appealing to him of like yeah. getting there. If we if it came up and we didn't have Champions League, then it's like, does he want a project um, for like, you know, four or five years that he can take on? Um, he's really been the only name that's kind of been consistently mentioned. It might also be a lot of happy thinking from Spurs vets.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the other names that have mentioned is the Premier League's David Brent, <laughs> Brendan Rodgers. Um, and then there's also... I mean, Ledley King's been manning around. Um, and Graham Potter. Um, is there anyone else that I'm missing? That I don't think so. Like, yeah. I mean,
2: you know, like it's 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 really sort of tough to know who's who's genuinely interested and in who would actually be a good fit mm. um, at this stage. The other thing too is that there there seems to be this thought as well around that if Mourinho goes, then Kane will surely go. And it almost seems like Kane is one of the players who is still right behind Mourinho. Uh, okay. Um, but you, you wonder how that keeps going with time. If we don't get the objectives, then you wonder if that starts like um, starts falling away as well. Um, but at, at this stage, like, you know, if Kane and Son do leave, um, you know, I could be completely uh, vilified for saying this. I, it's not like, it's not the end of the world. Mm. Like, the, the the problem is that we do get the money from that, and then we, do, you know, we have, don't have a good track record on spending it. Mm. But like at the end of the day, if these players want to move on at the age that they are to go off and win and challenge, like we can't keep holding on to this, um, you know, this long term dream for them of going like, don't worry, stick with us, we're progressing, we're progressing, because the last couple of seasons we haven't been progressing.
1: how old is Kane now? Like he, twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. he's still got a few. turns Twenty eight
2: at the end of the season.
1: Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. He's worth the most he's ever going to be right now.
2: Mm. Definitely. And I, don't worry, I'm not like let's sell Kane. I'm by any stretch whatsoever. But if he comes and goes, I want to go, I want out, I don't think we can like hold him. Mm. Um, and even people go, well, he's got a long contract. It's like, you know, players, they're going to drop. Like look what happened to Ericsson when he didn't want to be here. Mm. He just started playing horrendously. And I don't think he intentionally did, but mentally he was just in such a – a poor place that he's not going to be able to play how he did. Before. Yeah.
1: I feel like you've had a bit of a history. You, you mentioned that in a previous podcast about like Berbatov and um, other players who, when they say they want to go and Modric, I was going to say Modric via the other one. Yeah. It's just like, Oh God, it's a horrible kind of place to be in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, to to me, it's not the end of the world. You know, if they, I'd be gutted if Son and Kane left but the end end of the world is that Steve Hitchens is in charge of that money. So if we brought in a director of football that was good and uh, then I would be more optimistic. But to me it's like we're just going to get the <laughs> Magnificent Seven or whatever it was again. Um, yeah, I mean uh, there, it was interesting. The Athletic put up an article I think it was yesterday or no, no, a couple of days ago about Kane wants to leave uh, Spurs um, and then they it was like sources we have learnt that Kane wants to leave Um, and then they copped a lot of shit for it and it was like oh we're not saying he's definitely leaving we're just saying that um he might leave um and I was like no the headline he wants to leave is worse than you saying Kane is leaving because Kane is leaving gives space to be like he doesn't want to leave but he does want trophy this is like I'm out I'm done with this um so much worse
2: oh definitely and I think that around all the stories that we're sort of like talking about, like I think there is a healthy way to talk about players leaving mm. and think like if a player leaves, it isn't the end of the world, we can move on. Um, and we can discuss that and discuss like, cool, what could we do? What could we, what could be the options there? But the unhealthy way is, you know, the unhealthy rhetoric around it all is when it becomes a, a, this thing of like, he wants out, he wants to ask, where should he go? What should this, this, is this, is this, and that's all, you know, all the stories like to just keep carrying all that sort of stuff. Um, because they often come from like all of those are coming from like external factors yeah. rather than, you know, internally as a club and the fans going, okay, what would, what would you do if like, you know, if Kane left? Like who would you want us to like sort of sign? Um, they all become these things like Kane needs to leave because he needs to go to this, needs to do that. And it just becomes like uh, just an absolute trash fire everywhere.
0: Yeah. Yep. So looking forward, we have, uh, as we said, uh, Everton um, next um, which is five AM uh, on Saturday here. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get up <laughs> to watch that one. Um, what? Uh, what? I can your... confirm I'm not getting up yeah. to watch that one. <laughs> um, uh, score predictions.
2: This is like the toughest part of the mm. um, of the week now to try and predict what will happen. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go into this again. I've got to be positive. I think I need to go into these games positively because if I predict that we're going to lose and then watching the game, like there's just that even slight thing in your head of like, well, we're losing. I thought it was going to happen. Mm. Um, So I think like we have to get a result against Everton. Mm. Like we really have to do something. I don't think it's going to be an easy game um, because even in the FA Cup game when we played them, like at the start of that game, they were rubbish. The Mm. first half an hour, they were rubbish. And then that flipped and we were absolutely rubbish. Mm. Um, and we all know how that finished.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: I, think, I think there's going to be goals in this game mm-hmm. um, because we definitely can't um, hold on to leads now and we definitely can't shut out goals. We're not getting clean sheets, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I think there could be like maybe a, maybe a 3-2 win
0: for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 2-2 draw. Rob, what do you reckon?
1: 2-0 Spurs. They need the win. Yeah. And- thank you yeah Yeah. Yeah. didn't everton lose or draw the other day i think they kind of had a disappointing result the other day i think um yeah did they get a was it a nil all yeah something like that but it was against like brighton right yeah Yeah. so like lowly brighton so Mm.
2: yeah and i think look everton have been doing well but like us you know and all the teams in that pack and like liverpools and everyone you know we've their teams that we're still all close together in points which means that none of these teams have been just like off to the races. So a lot of teams have good results, bad results. It's just all over the place. Yep. Mm. Um, so it's still, it's still just so open as to what can happen there. Yeah, totally. Um, but Rob- yeah, I, I think that was, yeah, that's, we got to be positive um, mm-hmm. and we got to sort of take that take as we can. But I think, you know, before we, before we sort of finish up today, um, Rob, I know you have a story which I haven't heard before. Where uh, about you meeting Eric Cantoner oh yeah I would love to hear that oh yeah
1: you want to hear my story okay yeah. cool um so um picture me age eleven circa 1993 94 something like that and um, so i'm I'm from Manchester and um, pl- playing for a local football team when I was that age and um it, we uh it was during the winter so we were practicing indoors in like a high school gym type thing. so we we're kicking around and doing all this stuff and one of the um one of the kids in the team that uh i played with his his mum was french and from the same town in marseille where eric was from so she um she sent out a letter to him somehow <laughs> in french and uh goes oh um you know the, the boys they'll love you it'd be great if they could if you could send a shirt or something or come down or something goes yeah no great I'll be, I'll be there like replies out of nowhere just goes yeah no i'll come down on this day um i'll see you there type thing so my um my dad was the uh, assistant coach for the team and um on the day that we were going to this training session nobody knew none of the kids knew that it was happening or supposed to happen and my um i remember before the training like my dad taking me and picking up some kids that he was due and like before he left he was like getting a camera so <laughs> like, what are you getting a camera for and <laughs> <laughs> oh, did cross my, mind? <laughs> my mom's like have you got the camera have you got film in the camera crazy mom and dad doing their things with cameras and um so you know being a child that just kind of goes over my head but we um go to the go to the school go in the gym kind of kicking around and um lo and behold during the kickoff uh, during the kind of kick around i kind of look to what i notice that everyone has kind of stopped running around and there is Eric Cantonar with his brother, who played for Stockport County, uh, Joel Cantona, and another mate. Like, hang on,
2: he, sorry, wait. His brother is Joel Cantona. Joel
1: Cantona, <laughs> yeah, who played for Stockport County <laughs> at the same time. So um, him, so Eric, his brother, and his friend turn up. There's no like, there's no fanfare or anything. He just kind of turns up and he's there, and then everyone's like, oh my god. and then uh, like all the kids start doing like the craziest tricks you can imagine (laughs) It's like this is it this is my chance to play for united so everyone starts like kicking the ball around and just shooting from the halfway line and doing all this crazy stuff and they're "It's (laughs) like and and but then he like he stays for a bit he like runs with us up and down people take pictures he um Takes pictures with everyone, has a bit of a kick around with us, and I've still got my picture. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was amazing. It was a, it was an amazing experience, and he was like super nice. And my dad always says like. Um, his neck was massive. <laughs> 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 that's thing that my dad remembers more than anything <laughs> was the size of Eric Cantona's neck.
2: <laughs> I feel that's such a dad thing to take away from that. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone else was like, oh, Cantona, Cantona, and Then it's just like, how about the neck though? It was a big
1: neck. <laughs> was, yes. He had a really good neck.
2: That, that's amazing. So yeah. it's also amazing, I guess, to hear about a player who just rocks up. And obviously he did that. Out of his own goodwill, like there was no club official telling him, no. "You've got to go and do this community building thing," and um, you know, you've got you've got to go out and we're we're going to take you. You've got to do this. You've got to stay there for twenty minutes. You've got to sign all these yeah, things.
1: No, nothing like that. He just it, rocked it up was his face. very much just like just did it on his own kind of whim and just was like a really nice guy. No kind of. Um, yeah. There was, it, there was no cynicism, cynicism involved in it, and uh, no kind of club stunt, no press, nothing like that. It was just really good. I've just shown Barney the picture of it, so And
0: it is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> you look so happy. What a neck. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he, you know he's got a wonderful kind of what color would you call that leather it's like jacket? A, it's like
0: mustard or like
1: mustard yellow leather jacket, like he, um, even at that time, very fashionable.
0: Yeah.
2: I think that the really nice thing about that is, so what year did you say it was in 93? I would say it was around
1: 93. Yeah. This was pre-Kung uh, Fu Kick.
2: Pre-Kung Fu Kick. Um, yeah. It's kind of nice. Like you, you, you sort of think of back then, like a player could do that. Like he could go there, he could rock up to that school, hang around for an hour or two, Yeah. Um, then just go home. No one knows about it. Mm-hmm. There's maybe a bit of a murmur at the school, but if you wanted to go and tell someone, you probably got to like run to find an office phone, then dial someone else, (laughs) make sure they're at home. And then if they don't pick up, leave a message on that. You've got to come down to school right now. There's Eric Cantona's here. They'll come back a few hours later. They'll miss it. Um, Whereas now these days, like any player that goes anywhere, everyone out with the phones, uh, it's like photos, video, Twitter. uh, It's going out. Like there would be thousands of people would just rock up within like half an hour as soon as they hear that a player is down there. Um, So it kind of just feels like, you know, you don't hear about too many of those sort of stories. Um anymore.
1: Times were much more simple yeah.
0: <laughs> I I also love with that photo. Like like you said down with the with the phones that oh, you can take a photo. Like that's like we got the photo with Canada and now we'll wait forty eight hours for it to be yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hope you got the exposure right. Yeah. It would
0: <laughs>
2: imagine imagine that though, like if your your mom and dad they went down to like, you know, the pharmacist to get it developed. <laughs> yeah. Um I always wondered why pharmacists were the ones that developed photos. Like it doesn't really seem to go in there but Anyway, that's a thing we can explore another day. Um, they go down there, they're like, well, they get this photo developed and maybe it comes out completely blurry and out of focus.
1: Oh, God. And
2: then forever it would be this photo sitting at your house where it would be like, we, we met Eric Cantona <laughs> yeah. and it just looks like some, some dude with black hair and just The, like. the ghost of Eric
1: Cantona. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is unreal. That is such a good story.
1: Yeah, It was a, it was a great memory. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So did you, when you were there, were you going to many games at Old Trafford?
1: Yeah. Well, um, so my, um, my uncle and my cousin, they, um, they, so my cousin's like 10 years older than me. My uncle's like 10 years older than my dad. So they, they were going to games in the 91, 92 season. We all, we all went, um, when we could, but they were kind of at an age where they were going more regularly. Mm. And, um, this was kind of the year before the premier league started and used to collect tokens in a book, like uh, stamps from the games from the tickets. And, um, they, through that process, were able to apply to get a season ticket, mm. which happened to be the first year of the premier league. So, oh, wow. um, from that year onwards, we've had these two season tickets in the family. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I've been very, been very, very, lucky to go to a, a few games mm. and, you against Spurs and some good memories and yeah. some bad memories <laughs> and some weird memories like Roy Carroll spilling a ball into the back of the net but it not being given I <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> oh, was at the Pedro Mendes yeah yeah yep, yeah great some mm-hmm.
1: crazy crazy weird things
2: I was gonna say particularly during that whole spell like you probably have much more uh, uh, positive memories of Spurs related games as
1: opposed to <laughs> negative <laughs> yeah. ones some great comebacks for sure like um there was the one five two when Ronaldo scored a couple and the one I always remember is the 5-3 at White Hart Lane um back in t- 2001 I think it was that was a crazy game we were 3-0 down at half time. yeah that's what we got time for today yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but I also have lots of memories of Spurs like hammering us like there was like a I think it was New Year's Day in 1996 or something where we got hammered 3-1-4-1 something like that and games could go either way against Spurs like it was always like, uh, one way or the other.
2: Right. I was going to say, are you making up those games?
1: No, I um, think they just get lost in the memory because of the, <laughs> the more high okay. profile ones.
2: Yeah. Cause it, this is like you know, someone unrelated, but I heard that there's this, um, this is effect that people have where they can, they vividly remember something as existing, even though it didn't. And I learned about this recently because a lot of people think that there is a Sinbad movie called Shazam, um, from the mid nineties, like people genuinely defend. They're like, we've seen that movie. We've seen that movie. And there's an effect now attached to it. Um, I'm not sure what the name is, but it's like, people are so, they're like, we've seen that movie. We've seen that movie. It exists. Um, But the movie was never made. It doesn't exist. Uh, But people defend it to the death and talk about actually, no, I watched that as a kid. (laughs) I watched a movie called Shazam where Sinbad was a genie. And then people go, well, there was actually the movie where Shaq was Kazam. And then like, no, 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 no. I know that, but it's not. Um, so I, I just figured, like, maybe you know, I don't have that many memories of us really hammering United. And um, well, there was one earlier this year. For this. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. No, um, a lot of good ones, but the odd, the odd one where we did have a painful loss for sure, but not too many. <laughs>
0: And thank you.
2: <laughs> Hopefully, look, we're you know, still doing this, uh, this show in five years and we have a big turnaround. Maybe uh, it'll be a different scenario then.
1: Oh, I, I mean, I have no confidence that we could play again, you know, next, when we play again next season, I could easily see us getting hammered. So don't worry about that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Go and beat City.
0: <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming on the pod, Rod. It was really great to have you.
1: Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, and we will be back uh, next week to talk about the Everton game. Hopefully it'll be more uplifting than this podcast, Um, but if it's not, well, sorry. (laughs) Well, if
2: it's not, we'll just pick another topic and we'll just do the podcast on that
0: that week. Yeah, we could talk about the the Mandela effect. Mandela, there you go.
2: There there we go. Um, I should have known you'd know them, of course. Um, Yeah, okay. So tune in next week either to hear... Um, about the Everton game or to hear an in-depth breakdown of the Mandela effect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Looking forward to it. Um, I've been Barney. I've been Dad. Uh, This has been A Bit Spursy. Have a wonderful day, night, afternoon or morning, whatever time you're listening to this.
2: You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.